let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54. You ought to be able to quote our text by now. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 11 and 12. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. I love that last verse there. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his word, and everyone said, Amen. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of being in your house. We pray that, Lord, as we expound upon your word here this morning, Lord, that, God, you'd give us the liberty and the, and the thoughts, Lord, that we need, Lord, to convey the message that you would have particularly for us, Lord, for us, for this group here, Lord. That's who we're ministering to. Uh, Lord, you know each of our lives. You see, Lord, how we live and, and Lord, how our devotion. Lord, you see everything about us. There's nothing hid from you. So, Lord, help us, God. and. Uh, let this message just be tailored for each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last week, we started the, the third tribe on the priest's breastplate, and that was Zebulun. And I want to do a part two here. Most of these have uh, are two-part, but it, the... the uh, tribe of Zebulun, we had Judah uh, was the first stone, Issachar the second stone, and Zebulun uh, was the third stone. And, and according to the Bible, they were all camped uh, just outside the eastern gate. And, and then, you know, as we've shown you, on the south part, there was three other tribes, and the west was three tribes, and the north was three tribes. And so there was 12 tribes that surrounded this tabernacle, and they were all in, in a, 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 a order, uh, in a detailed order. Remind me to bring a picture of that next Sunday. It's fascinating when you look at an, an artist uh, painting of that. But um, the name Zebulun means dwelling place or habitation. The tribe is represented by the carbuncle, which is a deep red color. The thought that God is trying to convey to us is that there is a haven of rest for uh, not only for us individually, but for those that open their lives up to us. It's not just about you. It's about uh, others uh, being a part of your life, drawing others in. The blessing was that thou shalt be a haven for ships, uh, plural. Uh, God has placed around us a gate uh, of, of carbuncle. And so the first thing that I want us to look at here this morning, let me pull my uh, scripture references out here first. The, the first thing that I want us to look at here is the most important place that you and I can have uh, for a, a dwelling place 
uh, as we open our lives up to others is number one, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, he is first and foremost. In Matthew 2, 4 through 6, now you don't have to turn there. You can just write the addresses down. But in Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And so Jesus had to be born in a specific place because it was ordained, it was foretold by the prophets. Well, the next question is, where did he dwell? Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, or Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of the Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. So the, and once again, when, when we look at the details in Scripture, I think it's fascinating. We're not only talking about, uh, you know, this third stone, this third tribe of Zebulun, but it's the place where Jesus dwelt uh, as well. Um, once again, it shows us the importance of this precious stone uh, where its meaning is exemplified or portrayed in the life of Christ. It's, and once again, I get fascinated with this type of study. But did you know that in this region of Zebulun is where Jesus chose 11 of his disciples? They were from Capernaum, Bethsaida, Canaan, Galilee, all this is a part of Zebulun. Now, and you can get on your map like my wife is doing there and checking it, uh, checking into it, but it, it's a fascinating study. Now, now here's the, the twist. Judas, the traitor, was the only one from a different place called Kareth of Judea, about 20 miles from the Dead Sea. Yeah. Hmm. Once again, only God in, in his way of, you know, taking things and pieces of a puzzle and, and arranging those pieces or creating those pieces, you know, thousands of years ago, and that piece is set for this time, and it's going to fit into here. And, and, and after a while, you begin to see over thousands of years, you begin to see the, the, the picture formulating. Well, let's, let's look at the inheritance of Zebulun. In Genesis 49, 13, uh, when Jacob gave him his blessing, he said, thou shalt be a haven of the sea. Once again, it is, a crit it is critical that we have our individual resting place. We have to have a place of rest in Christ. Hebrews, a wonderful book, is a, uh, explains the, the rest that God's people have. If we have not yet settled this in our lives, we can never, ever do what God wants us to be with others, the ships, plural. 
our lives need to be godly lives that the Holy Ghost would have liberty to flow through us. In John 7, 38, Jesus said, matter of fact, he cried out, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. We have got to have enough of the Holy Ghost in our lives that we can bear the burdens uh, uh, of others as we are moving with the Spirit of God. A Spirit-filled person is... <laughs> Ought to, ought to be on the cutting edge of, of knowing what it takes or knowing how it feels to be burdened and carrying uh, someone's burden. I believe it's in Hebrews 13, 3. Uh, the writer said, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being also in that same body. You know, that's, that's, that's having a burden. Amen. Where you feel it. One of the things about the Landrises here, uh, ever since their accident, I've, um, I've been so, uh, I, I don't want to say overwhelmed. It hasn't been like that, but uh, often throughout the day, I find myself praying for Brother Larry and Sister Rosemary. I wake up in the middle of night uh, praying for Brother Larry and Sister Rosemary. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing better. You know, they still have a long way to go. Uh, he's released. They, they've moved back to Oklahoma, but they're still in facilities and so on. They're just closer to home. But trying to be connected with them, bearing the burden that they have of, of recovering through this horrible accident they, that they uh, uh, were involved in here a couple weeks ago. But having the Spirit of God moving in your life is so critical. It's so critical. If I could give you... Uh, an, an illustration, um, you know, there, there's been times where, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fisherman. I love to fish, though. I, I do. Can't wait till Eugene and Matthew and I go marlin fishing. But, um, you know, I, I, I do enjoy fishing. I, 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 I do. And there, there's been a, a time or two where I've, I've did a little canoeing. I canoed a little bit in Africa and those hand-carved canoes where when you get in them and you sit down, the water level is almost <laughs> at the level of the canoe. I mean, you don't move or anything. You just sit there and, and, uh, and, but th th there's been those times where you, you get in a boat or a canoe and once you get in it, you realize that you're sitting in the sand. The water wasn't deep enough. And so you sit there and you go like this, you know, <laughs> And like that, trying to trying to get that boat to move and and so on out into the deeper water. That's kind of what it's like in when you don't have the spirit of God in your life. It's you're just in that water and you're trying to get things going. But when you're when you have the spirit of God moving and flowing through your life, you're out already in the deep, Amen. Where you can start maneuvering and and moving around and so on. Remember what Issachar represented? He was a donkey crouched between two burdens. The Holy Ghost, number one, will help you in your secular work. It's Living the Christian life is more than just coming to church here and, and, and feeling spiritual. Uh, there, there's so much more to it. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. Amen. It's a life that is lived. And so when we go out of this church here, I would hope that by uh, what's been preached, what's been taught uh, down through the years, that you understand the importance of taking your Christianity with you. Amen. Into the job 
you know, so that others, you can have an influence on others and so on. So it's really important. Once again, Issachar bearing two burdens. One was the secular work. The other one was for the kingdom of God. We want to be spirit filled in the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what was so uh, beautiful about our three-day fast this week, trying to get the, the mind of the Holy Ghost as we venture forward into the Millstone Project. Uh, amen. Let the Holy Ghost have his way in your work and in your work for the Lord. Amen. Christ lived in the region of Zebulun by the sea and looked at the burden uh, of, of, the, of the people that they brought to him. I mean, it was phenomenal. Uh, matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 4, 23 and 25, this, is, this so resonates with, with this whole uh, uh, teaching of this breastplate and this tribe uh, being a haven uh, uh, on, on the seacoast uh, for not only ships, but uh, uh, for a ship and for ships. In Matthew 4, 23 and 25, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. And so you, when, when, with Jesus being in Zebulun there, uh, uh, residing there, he became a haven for people to come to him that had lives that were just full of needs, uh, uh, people that were afflicted, amen. They would come uh, from all afar to Jesus Christ to be touched and, and ministered by him, amen. Well, this haven or this harbor, I thought it interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 18 and 19. This is from Moses. In Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, and Issachar in thy tents. They shall call the people unto the mountains. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. Now listen to this. For they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. Once again, I, I, I'm fascinated by the detail of Scripture. A harbor is not only for those coming in, but it's also for those going out. You know, God has made a wall of precious stones around us, and it's not a prison. Christianity is not a prison. It's not. If, if, if you think that Christianity is... Is, 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 is restrictive, then, then you've got it all wrong. You're not understanding it. Amen. It hasn't become revelatory to you yet. Amen. It, it, it's simply not. He has put windows, as, as we read in our text, he's put windows and gates around us. Amen. So that we can see and so that we can go out and come back in. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Issachar stayed in the tents, but Zebulun was the one that went out. 
In Numbers 27, verses 15, the Bible says, And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, which may lead them out and bring them in. He's talking about after Moses stops, we need another man that can step up to the plate and lead them. And that man was Joshua. And Moses saying, we need a man that will take them out, but will bring them also back in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. And so it was, it was uh, beautifully portrayed in the life of Joshua. Uh, and, uh, you know, be it secular or spiritual. You've got to have a place that you can go back to. You have to have that place. And let me just make a little side note here with you young parents here, you know, uh, parents and their children. You know, when our children begin to test the opportunities in life, and sometimes I know in my, my own family, and I'm not here to embarrass anybody in my family, but sometimes our children, uh, they, they, they want to test the waters outside of the house. You know, and, and that is something that, uh, that um, uh, parents are, are, are faced with as their, as their children become teenagers and, 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 and so on. When, they, when they're looking over the fence and seeing what everybody else is doing, but we don't do that here. You know, and so the, the, the curiosity factor is, is really high. And so they start looking, uh, uh, you know, out uh, of the gate and they want to go out and, and see how things are on the other side. Amen. Um, uh, and, but, but here's my point. I've told every one of my kids that have had that desire to go out. Don't ever forget home. My door will always be open to any of my children. Always. Years ago, we had put on our signpost out, out at our driveway, Sanctuary Lane. I always wanted my house, my home, to be a sanctuary for my family and, 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 and for anybody else. Amen. And our family is growing. We have grandkids. I want our place to be a sanctuary for my, for my grandkids. I, I told my wife, I said, I'd love to sell our house. You know, we're, we're, in, a, we're in the mode of remodeling and things and you know, if the bubble comes back, I'd, I'd like to sell it. But then at the same time, there's just one thing that keeps me from that. It's where all my kids were born, and some of them. <laughs> uh, but they grew up there. Amen. And my grandkids, they come, and it's a place where, where we call home. We can go out, but we always have this place to come back. Amen and amen. You know, too many parents... You know, they count the days of when you turn 18, don't let the door hit you as you're leaving. I've been around parents like that, where when they turn 18, they are out on their own. Yeah, they can make their own decisions and do whatever they want. I'm so opposed to that. So opposed to that. Technically, if you really want to get technical, if you really want to get scriptural, let's put it that way. A child is not supposed to leave the house until they take a wife. That's right. Ooh, it got so quiet in here. Amen. But, you know, there's, there's a spiritual side to this. Uh, you know, 
when it comes to church. You should always have a home church. Home church. You know, and, and once again, that goes so against the, the mindset of today. People are so defragmented that, I mean, they, they're, they're scurrying about. They, 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 but that, that's the mindset of our society. Drive through, you know, hurry up and get it done. I'm just here for a moment and then I'm moving on. I don't have time to put down. No, nobody understands the whole idea of putting down roots, you know, where I want to settle or anything. You need to have a church, amen, where you can have a pastor, amen, that will put a whooping on you from time to time, but also encourage you, amen, amen. Need to have a home church where you can go to and say, this is my church. I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. The, the most problematic people that I've ever had, that I've ever pastored in 28 years, are been those that don't look at it as their home church. Problem after problem after problem. But we'll move on from that. Amen. Have a home where you can come to. Have a home church where you can come to. And I, I realize that there's always exceptions to the rules, you know, depending on what type of ministry you're in and so on. But you as sheep need a place where you can be fed. In John 10, 9, let me just solidify this with what Jesus said. Jesus understood this whole principle of, of, of going in and, and, uh, and going out. Amen. In John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. I mean, Jesus literally calls himself the door. We know what a door is used for. It's for uh, uh, allowing things in, allowing things out. Amen. Like Moses prayed for Joshua, Jesus went out before us. Amen. He became the door. We come to him first, and then we go out. Because if you read the, the second part of John 10, 9, Jesus said, and so go in and out and shall find pasture. Amen. That's what Jesus said in John 10, 9. You come to him, and then you can go out. In and out. Amen. That's what our life is. We're in and out. I'm not talking about spiritually in and out. Amen. But we go in we, uh, uh, to be fed. We go out, amen, to, to work in our, in our societies and in our jobs and, and, and so on. God never, ever planned for this to be difficult to understand. He has made it easy for us to go in and out over and over again. But let me even just take it a little further here. I mean, there's always hope for those that are that are cold, maybe even backslidden. They can come in again. The door is, is never shut. Amen. You can come in over and over and over again and get food for your soul. You can be refreshed uh, in your relationship with, with Christ. The door swings both ways. We sing that song, come on in. The doors open wide. Come on in. Amen. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 through 3, 
Interesting prophecy here. Nevertheless, the dimness shall be such as was in her vexation when at first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Now, that's interesting. Zebulon is now called the land of the shadow of death. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Who is that light? It was Jesus. Thou hast multiplied that nation and not increased the joy. The joy uh, They joy before thee according to the, uh, the joy and harvest. And as men rejoice when they have a divide of the spoil. So let me, let me just expound on this lastly here this morning. Unfortunately, these two tribes, Zeb, Zebulun and Naphtali, were among the 10 tribes who gave up their faith in God and turned to the things of the world. Many, many of the Old Testament prophets railed against the sinfulness of the Israelis, be it whatever tribe you were from, mixing themselves in worldliness and the evil. Uh, you know, uh, as we studied in, in the book of Jonah, the Assyrians were constantly coming in, constantly coming in and badgering and fighting these, these uh, northern tribes. The uh, uh, matter of fact, in 724 uh, B.C., uh, the, the whole area there of Zebulon and Naphtali was, was overrun by the Assyrians. Now, now listen to this. And, and, and I didn't put this together with this morning's video or, or you know, I, I thought this, I was telling my wife, this is really beautiful how this just kind of ties in with things and where we're at as a nation. It is a place, this whole region of Zebulon, where a wave of Gentiles immigrated into, thus repopulating the region, bringing with them their pagan idols and their off ways of life. Gentiles settled in Israel, and Galilee became a mixed population, a confused and dark place. Five million immigrants have come into our nation over the past two years. I'm just trying to think harmoniously here, parallel. Galilee's most famous prophet was Jonah, which ought to tell us something about the, the, the region's level of commitment. It wasn't very deep. In other words, where the need was so great, where the people were deemed rude, backward, uh, whorish, Jesus came and lived and ministered among them. And regardless of how exalted Jesus Christ might have been, we see the willingness of Jesus Christ to humble himself and want to live in that region of Zebulun. 
We see here, too, another example of how focused the Old Testament was towards the ministry of Jesus Christ, pointing this out in detail so that we could see it come to light in the, in the future. One may see it in Isaiah's prophecy of thousands of years ago, a timely message for what you and I are going through today. The great land, the United States of America, the great land of opportunity and freedom of religion is becoming more barren and desolate every day. It just is. Letting ourselves be used of God is the key to treasure in hidden riches, the secret places. You talk about adventure. I mean, perspective is everything. It's everything. You know, we can either sulk and about the way things are going. And, and folks, I, to be honest with you, there's, there's a part of me, I don't, I don't like it either. I don't like the, the way the elections unfolded. I, I, I don't. But I refuse to let it get an, uh, an upper hand on me. I look at the, the, this, this, this uh, era that we're, we're moving forward into as a, an era of, of, of adventure. Amen. Because regardless of how dark it gets, Amen. The light always shines brighter. Amen. And you and I are supposed to be that light. Amen. As Hannah comes to the piano this morning, regardless, regardless of what goes on, folks, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ becomes that beacon of light, becomes that lighthouse for others around you. That's why it's so imperative that we keep our relationship up with Him on a daily basis, have time with Him, amen, have a communion with Him, amen, allow the Spirit of God to flow through you and keep you fresh in His presence so that when we move forward as the days unfold, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we, we, we don't, but I want to be ready for it spiritually. I just want to be ready for it. I want to not only be able to help you, but I want to be able to help my neighbor and, 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 and whosoever else might, might be out there at, at work. Or I want to be able to help them. I want to be that light, amen, that was, that was set on a hill, amen, that people could see. Can we polish our carbuncle? We sure can. You know, the kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus taught. You have Christ. His kingdom is in you. Amen. I, I, I really believe, of course, you know, I'm not one that believes in a, a worldwide revival outpouring. I, I, I simply don't. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see that in Scripture. I believe there can be pocket revivals and things like that, but I don't see a, an awakening going across our land. I just don't. I would hope that I would be wrong, but I just don't see it. The Bible speaks of a falling away. Amen. That's the theme of the last days of falling away. But with all this going on, the greatest opportunities for church is in the days to come.
being a light. Being a light. Having something encouraging. I mean, you start talking politics and that's not very encouraging. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you what he can do for you that politics can't do, that prosperity can't do. Let me tell you what he can do for you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word here this morning. We thank you for the lessons of Zebulun. Yeah, we are living in a very difficult hour. We sure are. But, but that's all right, Lord. Our, the hour that we're living in is no different than the, than the times of, of other generations. Down through the centuries, generations have struggled and, and have experienced so worse things than what we experience. And Lord, I'm not making light of any of our struggles as a nation because Lord, it is, it is difficult to be one of the greatest nations on the planet and look and see how far we have regressed and how evil has taken such a hold on, on our, our country and the, the political spectrum and, and evil, Lord, the devil is, is, is more prominent. He's more out in the public. He's, uh, Lord, I, I, I read where some churches are even having drag queens now come and share from behind the pulpit to congregations. Lord, that's an abomination. It's an abomination. Things are happening, Lord, that are terrible, that are terrible. Things that we can't even utter from, from this pulpit, Lord. But yet, Lord, we're no different than those generations, those remnants that were in other generations in time past, they were a light. There's always been a chosen people. There's always been those that, that have been preserved, those that have decided that, hey, I'm not going that way. I'm just not. I'm going to stay true to my Lord. I'm going to stay faithful to Him and be that light that others might find help. Lord, take us and help us to see, Father, that as Christians, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Solomon said in all of his wisdom, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. The altar's open this morning. You're welcome to come and spend a little time in prayer.